Welcome to the ArchMI Podcast, featuring our senior customer trainer, Blaine Rita. Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, or ArchMI, is a leading provider of mortgage insurance, or MI, in the United States. Our competitive pricing tool, ArchMI RateStar, is the leading risk-based pricing platform in the industry, providing rates based on a thorough understanding of the underlying risk. Here's your host, Blaine Rada. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. These podcasts are an opportunity for me to share some of the perspective that I've gained in over 30 years of mortgage lending experience. But most importantly, the goal is to help you to separate yourself and to differentiate you from all of the other choices that realtors or borrowers have in choosing a mortgage lender. Some of the things that you can typically expect is that these will be very conversational. Um, I do not have a script that I'm reading from. I certainly have some ideas and an outline and an idea of what I will share with you today, but you never know what's going to come out of my mouth, so uh, be prepared for that. I tend to also put a lot of content, even into a shorter podcast, uh, than, than I often hear when I listen to other podcasts. So you may, you may feel like you're getting a lot of information in a very short amount of time, and that means you might want to listen to it again or not do too many other things while you're listening to the podcast so that you can really soak in the content. And they traditionally have a bit of a sales focus. While there's certainly other people in the mortgage process that can benefit from these ideas, I'm, I'm kind of imagining that I'm speaking primarily to those of you that are primarily salespeople. So you need to know my worldview as it relates to sales. If you're going to take the time to listen to somebody talk to you about selling topics, you should at least understand where they're coming from. And my worldview is not one that is shared by everyone. So it's important that you know what it is. I, I don't believe that selling is about getting the sale. Now, I know that that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but my belief is that the focus of selling should really be on the act of service, which leads ultimately to plenty of sales. But when we focus on the sale, when we focus on just getting the deal, it leads to manipulation. And none of us probably want to engage in that, at least consciously. Um, Whereas if you focus on establishing if you're the best fit for your customer, again, defining whoever that customer is, realtor, borrower, member, you know, however you want to define your, your customer. When you focus on establishing if you're the best fit for them, that is the focus that I'm suggesting sales should be all about. It's, it's service. It's an act of service. So I'm going to share certainly some information. Now, my hope is that that information leads to insights, your own insights, your own thoughts about what you're hearing. But most importantly, I really want it to lead to some type of impact. I don't want just this to be a you know interesting use of our time together. I really want these ideas to lead to some conclusions on your part that will lead to a measurable change in what you do and how you do it, and of course, the results that follow. So I'm putting a little bit of responsibility on you as the listener to actually do something with this information. All right, so let's get on with today's topic, which is what I'm calling the nine P's, as in the letter P, the nine P's of professionalism. You know, professionalism, and that word professional kind of strikes me as being significant, you know, to be to be referred to as a professional. Like, what does that even mean? I mean, it sounds really good. I mean, to be, no, to be called the ultimate professional in your industry. I mean, it just, it sounds like you're being elevated onto some type of pedestal. But yet, if, if each of us were asked to define the word professional or professionalism, we'd come up with a wide variety of things. So I thought I'd, I'd do some of my own research and then just try to share what I think are some significant pieces of professionalism. So, of course, I started with the dictionary, right? A good place to start. Unless, of course, it doesn't give you what you're looking for, which was my experience. When I looked up the word professional, 
uh, you know, it said things like connected to a profession. Okay, well, that's really helpful. Um, or that it was someone's main occupation as opposed to something that was like a pastime. Okay, so professionalism kind of insinuates that it, you know, it's your full-time thing. It's your, it's your work focus, if you will. And I've often heard in my own life that being a professional meant that you were being paid for what you do. In other words, especially people in the arts, you know, whether you're a performer or an artist, if you just do that for fun, you know, that's more of a hobby. But if someone actually writes you a check and pays you for your work, that that kind of indicates that you have now become a professional singer or a professional musician. Well, unfortunately, none of these ideas really do that much for where I'm going to go with this podcast. So I came up with my own definition, which is nine words that all start with the letter P. And I've kind of geared it again, especially towards people who are in sales. And just to make it a little bit easier to absorb and, and kind of retain what I'm going to share, I've, I've put them into three categories. So I've got three categories that will each have three of these P words. And the three categories are, number one, what people see on the outside. So I'll share with you three traits of professionalism that are things that people easily observe on the outside. The second category will be the art of making sales. So I'll talk about three different aspects of professionalism that specifically are kind of sales skills, if you will. And then the final three will be what I call advanced skills. And that'll be, that'll wrap it up. That'll be our nine. Now, this will probably be a shorter podcast compared to some of the others that I've done, but don't, don't um, underestimate the significance of each of these words. And as you can assume, where I'm going with this is that I want you to reflect on these. I want you to kind of internalize them and ask yourself, are there any of these that I could, you know, up my game? Are there any of these that might be missing from my own professionalism? And just making a little bit of a change in, in, a, in a positive direction could make a big difference in your, in your life and in your results. So let's get at it. I said the first category is what people see on the outside. And I'll just give you the three words, and then we'll dissect them in a little bit more detail. The three words of what people see on the outside are positive, passionate, and a people person. Right? Positive, passionate, and a people person. Now, on the surface, these are pretty self-explanatory, right? And I don't want to be Captain Obvious and waste your time with things you already know, but let me at least give a little context for each of these. So by positive, what I'm implying, of course, is that a professional person tends to be more up than down. You know, they do look at the world in a more positive lens than, than negative. Um, all of us like to do business with people that are up, right? Ne nobody really wants to be around someone, much less do business with somebody who, you know, is negative, down on the world, down on their job, doesn't seem to like what they're doing. We've all had that experience of walking up to someone, whether it be, you know, in, in a restaurant or a convenience store, and, and you just get the impression that they'd rather do anything than be there taking care of you, right? They just don't have a positive outlook. So that, that word is pretty self-explanatory, but that's kind of where I'm going with that one. As far as passion goes, I really do believe that the best in any field love what they do. Now, you don't have to love every minute of it, and you don't have to love every person and every piece of it, right? But by and large, if you get up in the morning and you're excited about your work and you love doing what you do, that's going to show up on the outside, right? Those feelings you have on the inside, I believe, show up on the outside. And again, people like to do business with people who are really passionate about what they do. So one of the challenges, of course, is to tap into that passion. 
you know, when you're having a bit of a slump or you're kind of, you know, walking under some clouds for a period of time and you just have forgotten why you even do what you do, remember, there are things that probably got you into this business that you were very excited about. And maybe you just need to remind yourself of what those are. All right. And then the third P in this category was people person. Again, pretty self-explanatory. There's, you know, kind of basic differences between people people and task people, right? There are some people who would much prefer being in industries that they surround themselves with people and they interact with people. And there's other people who are much more comfortable, you know, working in an office or working at a desk and basically performing lots of tasks. In fact, they'd rather, frankly, not deal with people if they didn't have to. And those are great people too, right? I mean, we need all of these different kinds of people in the world to make it work. But if you're going to be in sales, you, you probably need to lean at least more heavily towards being a people person. I'm not saying that you have to be, you know, this outgoing extrovert that's the center of attention and the life of the party, um, but at least be someone who is not uncomfortable around other people, you know, that it likes engaging in conversation, likes, you know, listening to what other people have to say. So again, those three P's of professionalism that have to do with things that people see on the outside are being positive, being passionate, and being a people person. Okay, next three have to do with the art of making sales. And again, I'll just give you the three words first, and then we'll dive into a little more detail. The three words are persistent, polite, and patient. Persistent, polite, and patient. Again, you can look at these at, these, you know, at a Captain Obvious level and think, okay, got it, check it off my list. But let me try to give you a little bit more context as to at least what I mean by those words when I say them. So being persistent in sales is not being a pest. We've all experienced that as a consumer, as a buyer, when we've been dealing with a salesperson that is truly a pest. But there is kind of this line, you know, of persistence that doesn't quite cross over to being a pest. And I believe a true professional, especially in sales, is persistent. In meaning, you're trying to help your buyer, however you're defining that person, you're trying to help them make a decision about what it is that you have to offer and so you want to show an interest in helping them make that decision. You want to show that you actually would like to earn their business, that you are interested in doing business with them. And so I think some salespeople go in the opposite direction where they don't want to be perceived as a pest. And so they don't follow up. And, you know, once somebody walks away from the conversation, they never really know what to do at that point. And I believe a certain amount of persistence, at least until that person has made a decision, is good. But again, this is a, a personal thing, right? You have to kind to figure it out for yourself as to what your level of persistence is that you're comfortable with. But I, I don't think it's a bad word, in other words. It's not crossing over into you are a nuisance, you are, you are bothering people. Now, as far as polite goes, you know, we've all been brought up in different kinds of households and taught different values. And, you know, some people do things that other perceive as not polite, but yet, you know, the person doing it didn't even really mean to not be polite. I mean, it's kind of a funky word, right? That word polite. So I just wanted to mention a couple of things that I mean by the word polite. One of them is that you're respecting people's time. I think we're more time sensitive than maybe we've ever been. And 
when you disrespect someone's time by either, you know, not being punctual or keeping people longer than you said or things taking longer than you said they would. Now, I get that you can't control everything. I get that there are things that influence our use of time that we we can't anticipate and control. But just to have the mindset of, I will be respectful of other people's time. I mean, certainly you should respect your own, right? But especially other people. I think people are very sensitive when they feel as if their time is not being honored. So that's that's an element of politeness that I think exists. And then another thing is being sensitive to diversity. And a lot of people, when they hear the word diversity, they think, oh, you're talking about, you know, different ethnic backgrounds, different races. I'm talking about all of the ways that people are different from each other. I mean, it really is fascinating. If you look at all of the ways that we are different from one another, there is an incredible amount of diversity on this planet. And just to have a respect for that, to to have a, a politeness around honoring people's differences, I think goes a really long way. You know, I've had the benefit of traveling internationally many times, and I've visited many more countries than obviously I could speak their language, right? I don't, I don't, I mean, English is pretty much it for me. Um, But what I do with any country that I go to before I arrive is I try to learn basic phrases, especially the, you know, the the polite things like please, thank you. You know, I, I, I try to at least make an attempt to speak in their language, even though my attempt is quite pathetic. Um, because I just think it shows respect. I think it just shows that, hey, I understand that I'm in your country and uh, English is my language, but not necessarily yours. And I shouldn't make that assumption that everybody on the planet speaks English. That's kind of what I'm talking about, but not just with languages, obviously. So polite. And then patient. You know, sales is a process. The buying decision that people go through is a process, and it's on their time frame, not yours. And I know that sometimes that can be very frustrating, especially as a salesperson, when you've, you've kind of given people all the information that they need, you've held their hand, you've helped them, and they're still like indecisive, and it, it, can, it can be frustrating because you almost want to seize control of that situation. But honestly, being a professional means that we are patient in allowing that sales process to play out. So the art of making sales, three P's of professionalism would be to be persistent without being a pest, to be polite, um, and to be patient. And let me just say one more thing about politeness. It's just a word that keeps kind of kicking itself around in my head as I think about it. Compassion and kindness are actually contagious. You know, I mean, you probably know that intuitively, but studies have actually shown that when people see or experience someone committing acts of kindness and compassion, it actually spreads, right? That act of you being kind or compassionate, when it's noticed by other people, other people actually are more kind and compassionate simply as a result of having you seen you be that way. So all the more reason for, hey, let's, uh, let's put three cheers up there for being polite. Okay, so what about advanced skills, the last three? And by advanced, I don't necessarily mean that they're difficult. I just mean that they're easy not to do. You know, some things that are not difficult are also not difficult to not do. In other words, we just kind of dismiss them. We kind of bypass them. So the three words that I have under advanced skills are keeps promises, anticipates problems, and a flexible personality. So keeps promises, anticipates problems, and a flexible personality. And as you can see, these are a little, there's a little bit more to these words than the previous six. So in keeping promises, what I'm basically saying is try to be a person of your word. 
you know, try to have honesty as one of your highest values. Hold yourself accountable, right? Don't overcommit. Don't overpromise. Don't just say things to be polite. You might think, oh, well, Blaine, I'm supposed to be polite, so I just kind of said something to be polite, but I don't really mean it. It would it would be better that you actually were a little, you know, impolite. Is that a word? In? Un? I'm not sure, but you get the meaning. It'd be better if you were not polite, but honest. Again, there's a line, right? And each of us has to figure out, how, when have I gone too far, right? Um, if your spouse asks you how they look in a new outfit, you have to decide how much honesty do I have in my answer um, versus hurting someone's feelings, right? So I understand that none of these are kind of like completely clear-cut, black and white, um, but I'm, I'm just challenging you to put your own thinking into this idea of honesty and being a person of your word and keeping your promises. What that leads to is consistency. And when people experience consistency and they know that they can count on you and that you're a person of your word, they are very comfortable in giving you their business. So that for no other reason, that's a good reason to be honest. What about anticipating problems? The eighth word, anticipating problems. You know, I travel a lot, and most of my travel is uh, in the sky, on airplanes. And when you're up in the sky at 30,000, 40,000 feet, traveling at hundreds of miles an hour, a lot of times you don't even know you're moving. I mean, it's so smooth up there. The technology is so amazing. It's incredible. I mean, I still, I just get giddy about it every time I'm in an airplane, as many times as I have flown. It's just an amazing thing. But every once in a while, the air gets a little choppy and the plane starts bouncing around a little bit. What's that called? Turbulence, right? That's called turbulence. So that is a problem that happens as you're traveling in the sky, right? Well, can you imagine if you're given no warning about that? Like you're just up and about, having a nice time, chatting with people, moving around, and all of a sudden the plane just starts bouncing around and the, the luggage doors open up and people's stuff has fallen out and people are stumbling and it would be panic, right? But that's not what happens. You're normally told way ahead of time that there's some bumpy air up ahead and then you're given specific instructions on what you're to do and you're also told what the flight crew is going to do and what, you know, the pilot and, and that team is going to do and how they're going to, you know, find smoother air or navigate through it or still get you to your destination safely, hopefully on time. In other words, there's a lot of assurances made as to how this is going to go. Well, I think looking at alone is a lot like flying up at 30,000 feet. A lot of times things are just fine. Things are smooth. And all of a sudden, there's turbulence. Sometimes it's expected. Sometimes it's unexpected. But being able to anticipate that and being able to help your customer through problems and challenges before they start asking for your help, that, I guess, is the key. I could have said that in a lot fewer words, but that's probably the key to anticipating problems. Don't wait for someone to say they have a headache before you give them aspirin. Give them the aspirin before they even know they have the headache because you know it's coming. And it's as simple as that advice sounds, we tend not to do that because we're hoping that maybe they won't mention the headache. Maybe they won't notice the headache. So why would I want to bring it up before it's happened? Because maybe they won't even notice it. I just don't think that's a good plan. I think anticipating problems means that you're always being proactive and ahead of situations before the pain starts. Again, not telling you what to do, but just trying to give you some things to think about. Okay, the final P had to do with a flexible personality. You know, there's all these personality inventories out there. 
the Myers-Briggs assessment, uh, the DISC assessment. Uh, you can probably do some goofy stuff on Facebook and find out what kind of dog breed you are or what kind of car you are based on your personality. You know, they, they all kind of come down to some basic fundamental concepts that I can share with you in just a few minutes. So I want you to remember two words about people's personality. One is speed and the other is temperature. Speed and temperature. Okay, Blaine, what do you mean? Think about speed. If you had this kind of imaginary line across the floor, and on one end of the line you had the word slow, and on the other end of the line you had the word fast, and you asked people to stand on that line either towards slow or towards fast based on their overall personality. So when they look at things like speaking, walking, eating, driving, making decisions. Do they do these things more quickly or do they do these things more slowly? Stand somewhere on that line, okay? And now put yourself on that line. Are you a slower or faster person? Now, right away, people start to say, oh, but it all depends on the situation because sometimes I do it this way and other times I'm, okay, you have a default. You have a default way of being that is your preferred method of interacting with the world and it's either slower or faster. So you are likely slower or faster. Very few people are literally right in the middle. But obviously, you're going to be dealing with people who are not on the same place of that, on that line as you are. The key to being a master at having a flexible personality is modifying your style to accommodate other people. So if you tend to do things more slowly and you're dealing with people who are quicker, then you better pick it up right? Conversely, if you tend to do things more quickly and you're interacting with people who are more methodical and want to take their time, you need to be patient, right? Another P, right? You need to be patient and slow it down. Pretty basic, right? The challenge is doing it. The challenge is noticing the difference between your speed and someone else's and modifying your behavior. Now, I'm not talking about acting. I'm not talking about faking it. I'm just talking about sincerely being willing to modify your approach to accommodate someone else's preference. All right, that's the speed word. The other word I gave you is temperature. What that means is, are they a warmer person or a cooler person? A warmer personality is basically a people person. A cooler personality is a task-oriented person. You know, someone that just frankly, is not that into people. And again, you're somewhere, you know, imagine that imaginary line, you're somewhere between being task-oriented and people-oriented, and everybody that you're going to interact with is somewhere on that line between task-oriented and people-oriented. And whenever you're dealing with someone who's not in the same place of the line that you're at, you need to modify your approach to accommodate their their preference. That's it. That's all you basically need to know about personality styles. I'm, I'm, I have oversimplified. I probably insulted all of the people who are very knowledgeable about some of those other assessments. But in terms of the work that we do and in the sales process, it really is just about being flexible, having a flexible personality that's willing to modify your own default behavior to, to be more in line with the person that you're trying to take care of. Okay, so some key takeaways from today. Obviously, I've, you know, I've, I've talked about professional and professionalism in a much broader definition than just what the dictionary has to say. We've talked about nine different Ps that we divided into three categories. First category was what people see on the outside. Second category was the art of making sales. And the third category was more advanced skills. And again, I would just ask you to consider each of these Ps, see if there's any of them that you think you could probably, you know, move the needle on a little bit, do a little bit better.
And as I always say at the end of these podcasts, you know, definitely take a step with this information. Don't just let this be some interesting time that, you know, made your commute a little bit easier, but actually do something with what you've heard. And also tell a friend, you know, if you like this information, if you think these podcasts are worth listening to, I really believe that good information should be, fa- should be shared. Uh, there's a lot of noise out there. And when you come across something that, that sticks, that's really valuable, you want to make sure other people are in on it too. And finally, talk with us. Make sure that you're giving us feedback. So whether that's telling your Arch account manager how we can be of help to you, how we can be of more valuable to you, or just giving feedback on these podcasts, we always love to hear from you and and know what's on your mind. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found the investment of time worthwhile. This is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. Thank you for listening. Arch Capital Group Limited's U.S. mortgage insurance operation, ArchMI, is a leading provider of private insurance covering mortgage credit risk. Headquartered in Greensboro, North Carolina, ArchMI's mission is to protect lenders against credit risk while extending the possibility of responsible homeownership to qualified borrowers. ArchMI's flagship mortgage insurer, Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, is licensed to write mortgage insurance in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. For more information, please visit archmi.com. ArchMI is a marketing term for Arch Mortgage Insurance Company and United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. All rights reserved.